Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. and welcome to 3CR's Spoken Word. My name is Ella Fanelska and my guest in the studio today has come all the way across the seas. We have Rick Livermore, also known as Rick the Most, with us today. Welcome, Rick. Hello. Um, now, you have been well and truly adopted in the Melbourne Spoken Word scene. We love you so much. And um, it was just time to have you in the studios to pick your brain a little bit and also hear some of your pieces and also for your home people to hear some new <laughs> stuff. Um, so, but first up, why Melbourne? Yeah, a lot of people have asked me that actually, funnily enough, which is strange because Melbourne's just a great place. As you say, everyone's been really friendly so far anyway and I think thinking about why Melbourne the question for me is why anywhere and I love traveling and the importance of elsewhere is a really important thing in my life so I like to go to new places I like to experience different things and try out the communities within those areas I think and, that's so essential for a writer too don't you yeah, yeah. I think so I mm. think so but also actually I well I run a spoken word event in the UK called Forget What You Heard About Spoken Word. And we have a lot of Aussie poets traveling and passing through our event. And so before I came over here, I said, where's best to go in Australia for poetry? And actually, unanimously, they all said mm. Melbourne. So yeah. this is where I've started. Yeah, awesome. We are very lucky in Melbourne. Super sport for choice. So much going on all the time. So that's amazing. That yeah. You know, the, the word is out over in London town. Oh, yeah. 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 So, Rick, you're kind of the perfect person to ask in terms of like the happeningness of Melbourne's poetry scene and the happeningness of London's poetry scene. How do you sort of see similarities and differences between the two beasts? <laughs> the two beasts. <laughs> they can be very beastly in their oh, nature, yeah. spoken word across any community and place. <laughs> I think that upon entering Melbourne kind of reminds me and I, I don't mean this in a condescending sense at all it kind of reminds me of the London scene about five or six years ago perhaps wow that's super interesting how, not, how so yeah not necessarily because not because of it being underdeveloped or anything like that but because London feels like it's got its thing going on now and yeah there's still people developing and pushing in all directions but there's been so much diversity and build up already and there are set selective areas now within London for this type of poetry, this type of poetry. Whereas in Melbourne, it reminds me of a time where it was perhaps much more exciting. It's a burgeoning scene and even though it's established, it's got its open mics that are really friendly and beautiful and then at the other end you've got slam. I feel like the space in between that is being filled but yet to be filled by so much and you've got some very exciting figures dropping into the scene and trying to push it outside of its comfort zone and push the boundaries so yeah I think Melbourne it's a really exciting time not to say I don't love my London scene as well though um, there's a lot going on in London there's easily an event a night for mm -hmm. every night of the month if mm -hmm. you want to go over there and mm -hmm. 
If you're interested in going over to London, please do contact me because I'm more than happy to help travelling poets in the same way everyone here has helped me so far. That's very generous. Thanks, Rick. The first piece that Rick is going to share with us is a brand new one, so we're really lucky, um, and it's called The S in Us. There's a sadness in our soul, sitting solitary, sold, so many, so low, so low, so alone, so long, so much longer than the less sombre song that's so loaded with promise of someone to sing along with, so sorry. Citing the soliloquy of some sorrowful worry sown in so deep, so far from the soporific sleep we seek, seep streaks, steeps our consciousness in something sour. Something our sweeter side never sought, short court thoughts still struggle to sort through, tussle the subtle troubles as we shuffle in the queue to be something. Not necessarily anything special with a purpose, no, that sort of service is surplus to the needs of the shining surface we stretch out to to serve us, no, our searches of a something free from responsibility from sustainability just something seen and that's a shame because so many of us if focus could shine as fast as the stars soar solar winds speak secrets to the universe and the galaxies within or you know what just be satisfied in our own skin to show up on the sonar a sign to say we've shown our inner speech speeds peaks past the place their echoes reach Understanding though outside sometimes the breeze seems cease, the softest of strokes can inflate our cheeks and start a storm over sedated seas. If only expectation didn't speak so loudly, serrate our sails at the seams so proudly, shout success is a dish best served yesterday, cause today the rest are already away ahead in the distance and this is a race to the death, yes. It makes us perceive that we must be set in stone. Solid, past the test 100%, asserting our answers, superseding the previous chances, attempts, it's no wonder. We sit solitary, sigh, petrified, uncertain, scared to question the insidious sermon of some perverse serpent carving 666 in our skulls like a surgeon's promises to release the beast of our burden, save us from a smaller serving, because we're desperate. We're starving. But there's sustenance past this split sense of stardom, this disparate martyrdom, this sickness that separates and sets us apart from the assurances as kids we'd always hoped made us human. We need to stop seeing those as fairy tales and lies and illusions safe till the day they split and see through them just for a second. Close the curtain and raise the lights. Because this isn't a show, so slow down, no, this isn't a showdown, it's not pistols at sunset or sunrise, consider this the social night, the audience isn't listening, reset to before the samples and sound bites, so tell me, what does your consciousness sound like? Close your eyes, what do you see? Perhaps a similar simile of the simmering symphony that's shimmering symmetry between you and me, I hope so. I mean, I'm not saying we're the same. Some stay sane, some stain from their experiences. I know if my scars were braille, fingertips would show an entire library of mistakes. Shelves stacked with regrets and pages stripped from spines and societal scoliosis seems to have set mine somehow crooked since and continues to bend under the stress of the fractures sent through silver screens, streams, screams, so simple silhouettes instead of full stage sets seems to make it easier to stand straight amongst all the rest, all this... 
stuff. Honestly, I'm really not saying we're the same. I just want to be able to say that once we were more than the sum of that which divides us, multiplies us by the negative ones, leaving some feeling less than nothing, sitting solitary sold whilst others sell those solitary souls for promises of gold or silver or celebrity or just a less lonesome simulation of reality. Forgetting either is really the subtraction of neither. I just need to believe that we are inherently good, or at least not inherently bad, that this sadness is a symptom, not a diagnosis, that if you feel alone it's not surprising when we're absorbing such hypocrite's hypnosis against our natural state of being if, well, if there is such a thing. I guess what I'm trying to convey is, if you're not actively seeking to upset someone, you're probably doing okay. Silence isn't always complicit, and shouting won't always restrain. You're allowed to not know what to say, to stay or to sway. The longest distance in us is the curve of the S. Double that of what you has to stray. But when viewed from a distance in every direction, the universe appears the same. So, if you're ever lost, seek where your soul started out, and try to head that way. so good so many lines in that like so many banger lines that I'm just like wanting to like yeah fist punch um like we, we discussed this on and off or off the mic rather um about dance um and like that poem I was wanting to move to um and as um some of you listeners may or may not know um Rick's also a dancer so I'm going there now. Um, where do you find the connection between dance and poetry? I, I don't even... This is going to sound incredibly cliche, but hey, this is what it is. <laughs> I, I don't honestly even see it as a connection between the two. I see them as one in the same. Mm -hmm. I think with any crossover in art forms or creative pastimes, hobbies or livings, I, I just see them as the same thing, whether you're doing art and poetry or music and dance or any of those creative processes, they just can't help but flow into one another. Mm -hmm. And for me, as you say, I, I've worked as a professional dancer for over 10 years. And at the moment, sadly, I'm injured. And so even more so than usual, I'm finding the dance of the rhythms and the syllables uh, almost taking over that side because I can't mm -hmm. express it physically even more so. I'm I'm seeing the footsteps and the rhythms and the beats, as I say, in the poetry, and they can't help but flow into one another. Mm. Are you finding that poetry is sort of um, helping you through that pain of not being able to physically move? Yeah, it's, it's imperative. Mm. Uh, poetry and music. Mm. Uh, I've been experimenting a whole lot more recently with playing guitar at the same time as performing the poetry mm -hmm. and yeah they are because as a creative just as a human we have our coping strategies to get through absolutely that which can be quite a tough life you know mm -hmm. in in many different ways and mm -hmm. at the moment I've been struggling because I've had my main coping strategy of dance stripped away from me um, mm -hmm. and as I'm getting used to that I'm, I'm filling that area at least finding ways yeah 
yeah. to make it's up for it. It's nearly like um, when people have a sense deprived, like hearing or mm. sight, and then their other senses need to take over. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. had been dropped onto your heart all your parts scattered to the four corners of England blue eyes as grey as Islington I was the one who committed the crime walking away from you when you needed me relationships dying and you and me not flying like I know we could like I know
feel free, my love. Do you want to come home? Come home. You are listening to 3CR's Spoken Word and my name is Ella Fanelska and my guest in the studio today is Rick Livermore and we just heard a track by Nisloppy called Disarm. Now Rick, you've been in Melbourne for around three months. Um, how is Melbourne influencing your writing? Well, I have found that um, I am writing quite a bit since I've arrived here but I find the nature of travel often does kind of help with the process um in fact the piece that i read at the start there the s in us is a piece that i've written whilst i've been in melbourne so yeah i have been writing quite a bit yeah wonderful and um can you start to talk to us a little bit about your writing process like is it do you kind of wait for the muse or are you a little (laughs) bit more disciplined and force yourself onto the page at set times i would i would love to say that i have a real set process that I go through and I often get people asking me for tips about process and how to write more regularly and how to come up with new ideas and I don't follow my own advice I'm very good at giving the advice but not so good at taking it Um, and it's tough to nail down I guess the way that I would explain my process is generally I create bits of stuff to quote Michael Rosen, I write bits of stuff over a period of time and for some reason I'm still surprised at the end of a period of time when all those bits of stuff seem to fit together and make a poem. And I don't know why I'm surprised by it, it almost seems like magic, but my brain's been working on it and it lets me know when it's ready Yeah. and then I can create the piece. Yeah, cool. Obviously with uh, commissioned work there's, there's more of a structured approach to it and so last year, well, a couple of years back, I was commissioned by the BBC to write for their World War One centenary commemoration tour around the UK. You know, as you do. Yeah, as you do, because <laughs> as I said, I was confused by that, actually, because I did mention to them, you do realise I didn't fight in that war <laughs> or even the second one. Mm. But they wanted a modern approach to it. So there I can't afford so much to just be so collecting bits of stuff. And in that case, then my process is reading just everything I can about it, uh, absolutely voraciously reading on the internet, checking out the archives, collecting information until you find a starting point. Um, but yeah, for my own writing, it is just finding, being honest actually, it's being honest about where I'm at at that moment and embracing it and just writing what about like the actual just technicality of it? Do you prefer to write old school longhand pen to paper or do you go to a mobile phone or onto a laptop? What's your preference? Where do you glide to? Again, I wish I could sound more professional in my approach and say I do this, but my process, it takes what it needs. Yeah. And so I think generally when I'm starting with like writing the bits of stuff, as I say, the general bones and ideas, I tend to write those out in my notepad or journal or serviette or receipt or whatever I've got to hand. 
And when it comes round to editing and thinking, right, I've got bits for this now, I think later stages it switches to computer, maybe. But maybe not, you know. It varies. Do you have a piece with you that you could share with us um, exploring this uh, importance of honesty? Yeah, that's well, that is a tough one. As I mentioned, I've been struggling recently because of the injury and affecting me mentally. And mental health is a really important thing for me. And I think a lot of creatives, but not just exclusively creatives, of course. So, yeah, I've got a piece that I'd share with you. It's uh, just a short one, if that's all right. Mm. This one is called Splitting Seams. Today I fell apart again. I don't know why. Lost the thread that holds together my heart and my mind. Think I've been tightrope walking between them for quite some time now. Feeling tension at both ends, but the middle bows till it stretches so far. It loops right down, touches the pit of my ground, gets tangled around my insides. Tangles around my insights till they're no longer in sight. Mummified insides, ties tight, I incise heartstrings to try to untie that knot in my stomach. Weaves round my rib cage like I've inhaled a hammock. Yes, my lungs look like fishing nets, but I still can't seem to catch my breath. Can't cotton on to the spooled out webs that mess up my thoughts and mesh up my head. Stuck in the middle, I search for an edge, get so caught up I find myself on it instead. Picking at the seams, it seems. Upsetting the scenes I've seen, unravelling dreams within. But all these things, they were choking me. Something stitched them in too tightly, so I unwrap, open up. Pull out every string, look at all the stuffing to see what I've been packing, yet scared of what I might find till I realise why I fell apart again. I needed to unwind. Now, Rick, as you've probably noticed and seen in the Melbourne scene, there's um, quite a, I mean, we're all friendly and a family, but there is a bit of a divide um, between people who consider themselves slam poets and people who consider themselves pub poets and stage and page and all that. And spoken word artists. Um, Is it the same in London? And what are your thoughts about this? Being someone who's won a truckload of slams yourself, How do you identify with these labels? What do you make of them? (laughs) How do I identify with them? Um, You know, really, I I don't. I don't identify with them. For me, you know, slam poet, page poet, performance poet, I don't really care. What I come down to essentially is poetry I like and poetry I don't like and subjectively good poetry, subjectively bad poetry. And... Mm. I do I'm understand. Exactly the same, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I do understand where the frustrations can come from, and yeah, I agree. Slam sometimes can be quite formulaic, and some people might find it quite restrictive, even. But then my response to that is, you know, we have haiku, we have different forms of even page poetry, and sometimes within that restriction, you come up with something that you wouldn't have come up with before. 
That's interesting point, actually. I, I did the Dirty 30 um, in April this year. It's a group of poets that get together and write to prompts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people ha have um, divisive attitudes towards that even. And I, and I found it challenging and not amazing work came out, but sometimes work came out that later I went, yeah, this is really good because I was forced into a position that I wouldn't have chosen. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't mean you have to do it all the time. I mean, I've, as you say, I've entered slams and I've won some, I've lost some. Sometimes I deserved to, sometimes I didn't. But I think where a lot of the frustration comes from is people see a lot of the work, well, I don't know about over here, but in the UK, if there's a promoter looking for a poet and they don't really know poets, they look for spoken word, mm -hmm. like slam artists, that's mm -hmm. usually what they look for. Mm -hmm. So I can understand people getting frustrated, but in that sense, I don't see any need to be divisive against the artists, you know. Hate the system if you want, and then work to change it. That's yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I always think that if someone's going to be formulaic in a slam, you can spot it a mile off. A disingenuous poem for me rings out a mile off. And you don't have to go to the slams. There's a whole wealth of events and groups to go and write with. I think that diversity is absolutely key because different people will slot into the different areas that they want to. So, yeah, let's stop the hating, huh? Absolutely. There's room <laughs> for all yeah, there's of room it, for people. Everyone. There's room for all of it. And we're all poets. Just call yourself a poet. That's it. Rick will now perform his final piece called Blink. We blink and the world's changed. Disbelieving, rubbing eyes, blink one more time and it's back again. Relax, turn her back again, blink, turn back again and the world's changed. And that change seems the same as it's ever been, but it's never been this bad, though it looks the same. Think again, like, loose change. Pretend for a moment that everyone is valued at one pound. And that's exactly what we all carry around. One pound in our pocket, maybe not a lot, but we've all got it, blink. Someone changes a hundred pennies in place of your one pound. Doesn't sound so bad, does it? Because it's still the same amount. But why do we feel so much more weighed down, you see? When you carry only pennies, you measure only in a penny's worth. And carrying a hundred lowers each of our pennies worth, so a penny for your thoughts becomes exactly what they're worth. Blink. They take away one penny. Blink. That doesn't seem that many. Blink. They say some people don't have any. Blink. They take away five more, blink. They say you've still got 94 to make you blink and think, what are you moaning for? They're feeling slightly unsure as they walk away, take a long, slow blink as thoughts in your head say, what was I moaning for? But before that thought's fully forged and formed and forced out through your forehead, they tickle, trick and trip your eyes till eyelids pulled, fall forwards, and in a blink, the world's changed. And the world's change is already jangling in hands, keen on turning our coppers into shrapnel spent in foreign lands. When you blink, those windows to the soul are closed rather than staying open to stop it. The whole time distracted, not feeling, fumbling fingers fishing in our pockets. And before you know it, like a trap again, they're back again. Don't blink. Turn back again and you might just see. From that hundred pennies in store, there's only one coin left. But that's all you had before, so that's all that is said. Yes, they say it's the same as it was before when you carried only a pound. And don't you feel less weighed down not having to carry all that change around? Thanks very much for being my guest today, Rick. It's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise. Um, where can people find out about other things that you're doing or things that you're doing in the future? 
Well, there's my Facebook artist page. If you look for Rick the Most, R-I-K the Most, all one word, so easy to find. And follow me on there. I always put updates of what gigs I've got going on and upcoming. And likewise, I'm consistently trying to put out more of my poems in video form and with music on my YouTube channel. Again, Rick the Most, R-I-K the Most. And... There's Twitter and all the other things, Instagram. Just Google Rick the Most, basically, and you'll find me. You've been listening to 3CR's Spoken Word. You can join us every Thursday morning at 9am. My name is Ella Fanelska, and I look forward to your company next month.